0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I'm your co-host, Michael, and joined with me today is... Corey and Richard. And we brought on a special guest because we're talking about subjects that this man has knowledge of.
1: We need more insight. Yes. Yes. Is, we we can no, as general.
0: By no means are experts on this podcast, nor is this man an expert, but he has a lot of experience in dealing with this. Um, and that special guest today is from YouTube sensation, mental health casual, Lucky Nua. Hey, Lucky. Oh, yay.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry, we're missing
0: our audience claps.
2: Ah, man, oh, hey, this call, 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 production, call. man. What's going on here? <laughs> I can't believe we've done this. We'll,
1: we'll get it in post-processing.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and before we get too far into this, uh, let's start the normal way with... A hay. What's with, the description?
3: What, with a hay?
0: And a hoe and a daily. What dilly are we talking dow. about? Sorry, I'm still, on, I'm still I don't on think s-
3: we've even discussed what the actual topic is. No, now, I'm still so. on sea shanties. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our topic for today is a little bit more of a heavy one. Uh, it is... Ang- Gravity. Yep. Nope. Um, anxiety and depression disorder. Um, so I'll go over the definitions first. Uh, we'll start with anxiety and then we'll, I think, go... Loop back around later for depression. And remember,
0: these are lexico definitions. Correct.
3: So, uh, anxiety, a nervous disorder marked by excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. I'm getting anxiety right now to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so, um, Lucky is more of an expert than we are, but not, as you already pointed out, not like a professional.
0: Yeah, I want to rephrase that. He's less of a casual than we are with anxiety and
3: depression. (laughs) Um, But the first thing I want to mention, because you actually talk about a little bit in your notes, is what you categorize as the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and it's the fifth edition of that. And what is that, Luggy?
2: Yeah, so basically, it's like uh, I always jokingly say, although I've heard therapists call this you know the same phrase, which is like the Bible of um, of therapy, of, of psychology. Um, basically, it shows all of the uh, the mental illnesses, kind of how to diagnose them, uh, what are the symptoms of certain things, and uh, you know, uh, pretty much any therapist worth worth their salt pretty much uh, uses it. And the reason why this is the fifth edition is because we're finding new mental illnesses every year. I had a um, a woman uh, named Nadia Macaluso, who, um, for people that don't know, she was the uh, inspiration behind Naomi um, on Wolf of Wall Street because she was actually married to the real Wolf of Wall Street and then became a therapist. Um, She uh, specializes in something called CPTSD, which is Complex Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, which is more relational trauma. And that's actually going to be part of the DSM-6 in 2022. So that's why there's so many additions, because we're finding new stuff. Some things are getting axed. Um, I believe at one point um, homosexuality was cons- considered a uh, mental illness and they took that out a little bit later. So there's always revisions to these types of things.
3: Yeah, what I was reading is uh, what uh, gambling disorder was added in the DSM-5, which was an interesting... So like they have the expanse of what a lot of the, the disorders are, like craziness, way, way out there stuff. And then some of that stuff, it just gets categorized versus some of the stuff doesn't. So as you just pointed out, it's really the manual that they've kind of delved really deep into some of these disorders to then say, how do we fix this? Or how do we figure this out? Like many diseases, there's a variety of different versions of the very similar things.
1: I'm like, I'm so stupid for thinking of it like this. But the initial thing that popped into my head is it's just like the player's handbook for D&D. Like it just gets refined (laughs) over time. They keep adding stuff to it. Some stuff gets taken out because, you know, quality of life changes. And then... You know, other stuff gets added in.
0: So what's your mental health issue? Well, I have an addiction problem.
3: Well, what's the subclass? Oh, it's, uh, it's gambling. <laughs> well, I rolled 20 on my dexterity, so clearly it's theft. <laughs> um, so on the subject of anxiety, how or what exactly are kind of the main focus points for anxiety in the DSM-5? So
2: basically, when we when we think about severity, even when we're talking about addictions, I think just a general rule of thumb is how much it affects your life, how much it's actually affecting the things that you do. The things, um, you know, if you, if you can't go to work because of severe social anxiety, right? That's uh, you know a different form of anxiety, but a very prevalent one. Then you have you you might have what's a disorder. But basically. It's um, it's any kind of uh, feeling of uh, of uneasiness um, that lasts usually about six months and it's usually uncontrollable. You really it's really hard to control. You can't find a way to calm down. Um, and some of the things can even lead into panic attacks. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it could be anything from like restlessness. Um, a big one, although this is very common in, in depression as well, is um, fatigue. But in anxiety, um, with pretty much any mental illness, it's just taxing your mind so much that, uh, you know, you actually get fatigued, even if you are not having done anything all day. Because um, you're always in this fight or flight response. And I think that's really the big key is you're always in that fight or flight response that you're not ever actually relaxed. And so when you're actually... Um, When you're in that mode it it exhausts you quite a bit um and another one could be uh you know another symptom could be um irritability you know you're much more irritable than you usually are um but uh yeah i mean that's the main those are the kind of like some of the main things is just uh you know uh hard to control it is affecting your main affecting the main parts of your life so that you can't live an actual life of uh, fulfillment and uh yeah pretty much just a lot like a like i said a lot of uh Hindrances to your regular things like sleeping, irritability, all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, I was going to say that has to do with what we were talking about last time is uh, um, a procrastination. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can get a lot of anxiety, you know, in that kind of realm, especially when you're in school. I, I know anxiety in school almost go hand in hand with just, hey, you got a big test coming up and you get really you know you get the butterflies in the stomach and you start feeling uneasy about it and it starts and i would say that probably a lot of anxiety that kids get in school is minor um, having to do with small responsibility and small things that are coming up because i would say a test <laughs> in life is probably a smaller idea that's going to give you problems but a lot of times i can lead to bigger and bigger issues as you know stress builds up and anxiety grows and grows um,
3: Based off what it sounds like also from what you just said, Lucky, is the main difference between stuff like uh, stage fright or like the anxiety in school is how long it lasts. Yeah. If you are s- sleepless for a night because you have a test tomorrow as a yeah, kid, exactly. generally that anxiety would go away mm-hmm. after you're done with the test versus chronic or like severe anxiety just doesn't go away. Your yeah. your your brain constantly is finding new things to be uh, anxious about on a consistent basis. Uh, yeah, I kind exactly. of, I kind of have more of a, a personal experience with that. My wife has severe anxiety, so she's constantly. She gets up throughout the night constantly. She's thinking about things a lot. There's a lot of that. Um, uh, she has to do things to try and constantly calm down. Um, which in her case nowadays is a lot of Overwatch playing when she's at home, <laughs> which to me makes me more anxious. But for her, she can kind of focus in on something. It's objective-based, so she can literally just hone in on one thing and just let it go so that way she forgets about all the rest of the mm-hmm. problems that's going on and then just focus in on the one, which kind of then brings down her anxiety. She can kind of focus on other things.
0: And that actually brings up a great point, is what are, what is our experience with anxiety have we had? Uh, have we gotten to the point of we've had anxiety disorder? Uh, are we light on anxiety, dealing with it every day? Um, or do we have others in our life who deal with severe anxiety on a day-to-day basis? Well, look at Corey. Hold yeah. On. Oh, look at me. Yeah, there we this go. Is, this is
1: make me anxious. Nah, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm typically a pretty easygoing person. I've been pretty lucky to be able to blow things off pretty easily. Um, so... I feel like I have in the moment anxiety when it comes to specific things, but I've been lucky enough to not really have to deal with long-term anxiety, which is definitely why one of these things, uh, well, this podcast episode itself is more interesting to me um, because it is one of those things where... I I feel like it's really hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes when it comes to these disorders because it's just not something that unless you're in that frame of mind that I could imagine your brain actually understands.
0: Yeah. Uh personally, I haven't had to deal with it too much. I went through a couple episodes in uh in high school when I was at a school that was terrible, which I have now since partially blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, trauma. Yeah, uh, yeah, a bit of block trauma. You know, we we can all have some of that. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I went through like existential ex- anxiety. Uh, I think like last summer, I was affecting me pretty badly. Just going, oh, death. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> not not who am I? <laughs> who am I on the inside? Yeah. Um, and that was pretty stressful. That was like mentally fatiguing every day for like, I think a month and a half. And eventually just had to co- coax my not coach, coach myself through soccer team. Um coax myself back down from it and um kind of, you know, run basic thoughts through my head and really set goals for myself to be like keep myself in the moment.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think other than me having obviously personal experience with my wife having anxiety, generally I will kind of go through up and downs with that type of stuff because being an adult, obviously having a child, everything like that, the pressures of that tend to be leave lots of situations where anxiety can really crop up. Whether like it in previous experiences, it was like, uh, Oh God, I just lost my job. What am I going to (laughs) do to supply support for my family or things like that? Or, uh, just, okay, now I'm interviewing for a new job. I hope I get this job type stuff. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of those are anxious situations, but for me, I don't have any long-term stuff because I tend to be so easygoing that I cannot, I don't let myself dwell on it. Yeah, I have to then just move on. And I, I obviously probably the ADD doesn't you know, <laughs> attributes to that as well, because I just were like, whatever, I just move on to bigger and better things, yeah. whatever.
0: I was going to say something similar is that uh back in the beginning when I was teaching, I was struggling with the idea of continuing a lot Um because it was like a life goal of mine to not do that in 20 years. I didn't want to be a teacher who was like, I've been teaching for 50 years and uh, it's yeah. been great. Um, I'm like, well, you don't seem great. You look like you're withered and haggard and and you're sick of it and i'm like i don't (laughs) want to do that um and so i was dealing a lot with uh i don't know if it would be specific anxiety because it definitely wasn't as bad as a lot of these symptoms are on but it would just be that constant thought every day after work that would be like okay do i really want to do this what's going on and i'm sure as we dive into mental health and then future episodes and bring lucky back on we can go through like what kind of other mental health issues we have in our heads
3: so lucky um what i mean obviously you have your mental health podcast that you do and other things like that but can you give a uh, personal experience with you and anxiety as well i'm having it right now (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, speaking of which, so I was, I was actually um, diagnosed with social anxiety amongst other things. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, it's, a, it's kind of more specific than just generalized anxiety. Although I do have a little bit of that as well. Um, just anxious about things that I have to do in life. Um, but basically with social anxiety there, especially with me, there's usually phases in anxiety. So there's the before phase. Oh my God, I have to do this. Oh my God, I have to do that. There's the during phase, which is, you know, oh, my God, I'm messing this up. What? Oh, my God, I keep I keep messing this up. Then there's the after phase where you start judging what you just did. And then you you can't get it out of your head. You're judging. Well, with social situations, that was basically me because I was a very um, outgoing kid. I remember when we did a mariachi concert, I went off script. And I jumped off the stage and started dancing with the folklorico people. Um, and then afterwards, I was sitting in a corner, even though everybody was trying to take pictures with me and all that kind of stuff, because I felt like I messed everything up, all that kind of stuff, and so um, anxiety takes a lot of different forms, um, but yeah, especially with me, it's really, I'm really hard on, like, judging myself um, in social situations, and uh, yeah, it it can be pretty, and, you know, the the problem with anxiety is a lot of times it's not treated um, as severely as, you know, some depression or, you know, uh, other mental illnesses, because it's not looked at as a very severe thing, but Um, a lot of times it can lead to very um, drastic things as we were talking about before uh, things in your life that you're not doing you're postponing Um, Michael you had mentioned uh, you know being uh, procrastinating things and uh, a lot of those things can actually be very um, detrimental you know maybe uh, your um, your physical health all that kind of stuff that you should be uh, focusing on but that's my general um, you know my general uh, experience with it Exactly, there we go. (laughs) No, stop it. (laughs) So
3: actually to take that a step further, um, so you've now mentioned social anxiety, which I'm assuming has to do with social situations mostly or how you interact with others. Generalized anxiety is a more personal thing that doesn't matter whether or not there's outside influences
2: yeah so it's it's just basically anything that uh and it's it's a variety of topics it's not just social and social anxiety is very 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 specific like i actually didn't get a lot of anxiety about certain things because i was a lot like you richard where i would kind of brush things off oh i know i have a test i'll ace it it'll be fine you know even if i didn't ace it it wasn't too bad but when i got into the social situations that's where all of a sudden you know i started treating social situations like a competition you know i had to i had to uh say the right thing at the right time or else it wasn't going to go well or, you know, certain things like that. And, uh, but yeah, generalized anxiety is much, uh, much broader. Um, In my, in my opinion, I think it's a tougher one to deal with because, you know, you can avoid social situations. You can't avoid life. And that's yeah. what a lot of generalized anxiety happens, where it just happens with life. You have to take care of bills, you have to take care of taxes, all you know, all these things that you know, grown up. And even if you're a kid, like Michael, you were saying, um, you have to deal with homework. Well, you have to do homework or else you're gonna fail. If you fail, then there's more anxiety. So it starts to kind of pile up. But yeah, social anxiety is a very uh, distinct one.
3: Well, and actually you pointed out something really interesting. Uh, I think I see this sometimes with how my wife being that she has more generalized anxiety, the the aspect of turning um, what is it? Molehills into mountains, I guess, would be the phrase. Like turning small things into big things, because if it's on you, in your on your brain, it's a list of something to do. Well, it has to get done now, even though it may be putting a cup from your desk into a dirty dirty dish into the sink, but for like. Generalized anxiety be like well if i don't do that that could cause a whole ripple of problems and then it's a whole serious issue and blah, blah blah and then that's the internal battle that you have with anxiety yeah um
0: if i'm not wrong there is there a lot of comparing yourself to others in anxiety as well
2: yeah i mean there it, a lot of times it, it does happen in generalized anxiety. Um, in social anxiety, it's, you know, whenever somebody goes up and speak, and you you just think, oh my God, I can never do that. I can never mm. do this. I can, you know, all that kind Got of stuff. It. With generalized anxiety, there is a lot of. Um, There can be a lot of comparison to other people, um, you know, because a lot of times when you're comparing yourself to other people, you're putting yourself up to a like to a standard. And if you don't meet that standard, then you have another failure that happens. And that's the thing about anxiety is it's it's really focusing on a lot of the failures in your life in terms of, um, you know, what you should be doing, but you're not doing all that kind of stuff. And it becomes um, very hard to deal with. And uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, estrogen actually increases anxiety and if you think about like with a with a mom right usually they have to make sure the kid isn't you know sticking their finger in light sockets and all that kind of stuff so their anxiety is going to be high because they're very attentive right Um, so that's why women tend to get anxiety a little bit more than men um, at least diagnosed uh, with it Um, and uh, yeah I mean it's it's a pretty difficult thing to do because like I said um, Anxiety in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just when it starts to get into the disorders That's when it starts to uh, that's when it starts to become a real big problem because anxiety in and of itself can help you If you're in a fight figure out if you're gonna run away or attack or you know, how you're gonna do that all that kind of stuff So yeah, it it, it, like I said, it's only when it becomes a disorder. That's when it starts to be uh, get a little bit out of hand
3: Yeah, I was gonna say it's consistently taxing.
0: (laughs) Yeah with common anxiety it can actually help you like you said put that cup away is like like, especially with people who are more on the cleaner end, Corey, uh, <laughs> who are like, oh, the, the floor is the carpet's dirty. Like, I got to it clean this. It needs to be done. It must be done. It's and that's, not an option. Yeah. And you get that little tickle. You're like, I got to get this done. And you go and do it. You, and then you clean your whole house for no reason. And you wash up. Or you uh, clean your
1: friend's house. you clean your no friend's reason. house. And then you
0: find more friend's houses to clean until finally that's gone. <laughs> So,
1: Lucky, I actually had a couple questions for you regarding anxiety. And we're writing this um, down
0: and approving them by the board.
1: Yep. So, um, from the discussion we've had so far, in my mind, it's been very apparent that anxiety is definitely one of those things that can seem like it can kind of be a bit of an afterthought at first. But it ten- it seems like it has a very heavy compounding effect. Um, and it compounds very quickly on your life and into other things. Um, so what are some you did mention like obviously with anxiety it's based on the severity of the symptoms that affect how much it like affects your life but what are some of the like key things that people can catch um, or try to pay attention to that could be a little giveaways that someone may be stepping into more dangerous territories of anxiety and not realize it yet because it does seem like um, anxiety can kind of be something because it is relating to you know, your thoughts and all that stuff that a lot of times you don't have control over. Mm -hmm. Some people might not even realize that they're towing the water of anxiety, so to speak.
0: Uh, You could be slipping down the slope without even realizing it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, that's a really good question. I think um, one of the ways that you treat anxiety, one of the more effective treatments, I know we were probably going to get in this a little bit later, but um, one of the ways that you get uh, treatment for anxiety that really helped me is CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it basically if you want to think about it as critical thinking. If you break down an event, right, that's going to happen and you say, Okay, I'm going to this event. This, this, and this I feel like are gonna happen, then the therapist would say, Well, what are the li- what is the likelihood that this person's gonna be mean to you? Okay, so pretty low because you don't know, or you know, you start really weighing out more in a logical sense. Um, a really good way, though, uh, is uh, to figure out your um, your physical habits because those are things that you can actually track. So if you notice yourself start to uncontrollably start to shake a little bit, anything like that, those are things that you can actually start to control. Your thoughts are a little bit diff- more difficult to control, so that's not exactly where a lot of people end up um, going to. And there's actually a great uh, therapy that I learned from Nadine Macaluso. Um, called somatic psychotherapy where you focus on it's mostly for trauma but it also does work with anxiety um basically somebody goes through their past and they talk about something that you know trauma uh, an event that traumatizes them and they try and take uh take a note of things that are happening in their body because those are the the things that are present right because instead of Mm -hmm. focusing on the past you're focusing on something that's right now and um you know those are things that you can kind of tell because if you talk to somebody that has um, anxiety and they talk about a specific event, a lot of times you'll start to see them uh, doing nervous habits, you know, little things with their hands. Um, maybe their legs shaking uncontrollably. You know, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, ways to actually see that. So if you tell somebody to actually look at their body and uh, figure out, you know, hey, you know, you're, you seem to be shaking a lot when you're doing this, or if, even if it's for yourself, right? Um, just noticing things, changes in your body, things that you can actually see, you can actually stop yourself and then start to um, be a little bit more present. And that that's kind of the main thing with a lot of these things. In order to kind of catch yourself, it's more, uh, it's more important to focus on the things you can control than the things you can't.
1: Nice. Um, and that does kind of relate to another question that I had because um, the presentness seems to be very important. And one thing that I've also heard is um, I, I want to know whether it's true or whether you have any experience with it um, with social anxiety is, um, some people don't, aren't aware of who they have as their inner critic. So like, if that makes sense, um, some people give other people the voice of their inner critic. So, um, for me, like if I mess up, I'm my own inner critic. I can hear my voice, you know, saying, Hey, that was stupid. Whereas some other people might have, um, Voices that belong to other people as their inner critic, and then ground—they're not grounding themselves in reality of what they're actually doing. They're kind of grounding themselves in what they think other people are thinking. That's true.
0: Richards is Deadpool, and I know. That, <laughs> yeah, mine's well, Dumbledore. I was,
3: gonna, I was gonna actually use movie examples. A lot of that tends to be like. Uh, uh, in movies, they use like physical incarnations of like their father or something like that that talks down to them or mm-hmm. tells them to do something. When in reality, that's the in they're going on inside of their head. Yeah, but their one that judges them is whoever their figure that impedes on their life usually <laughs> yeah. is.
0: That's a, a small spoiler for Westworld. <laughs> that's kind of what they were trying to get across, right? More one. or less. It was like, yeah. you need, it's like, oh, I hear this person talking to me the whole time. It's like, no, but it's you. You're yeah. talking to yourself. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, go watch Westworld. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, that, that's definitely an interesting question. Um, to go on a, a side note just a little bit, I was mm-hmm. also diagnosed with uh, something called mania, which is where you actually have... Um, I actually had auditory and uh, visual hallucinations. I would see things in front of me. I would hear voices in, in my head. Um, and a good way to kind of uh, overcome that is through experience. And th- this is going to sound a little strange, but so let's say you're anxious about doing something, right? The only way to get over that anxiety is to actually go do it. And I, th- that's what they always say is like the, the number one thing is to actually um, act um on the things that you're anxious about you know depending on what it is obviously if it's uh, in the realm of possibility um the way that you uh kind of tell about you know tell who's that inner critic and all that stuff is kind of through something in that i learned in cbt right is you take that inner critic and you hear what it has to say but you don't give it all the weight in the world like you know if it says okay hey you're stupid for doing this okay why am i thinking that Did i mess up during this objectively speaking did i mess up during this you know if we're talking about this um this podcast that we're going on right now um maybe right afterwards i may have some judgmental thoughts in my head and be like you know i could have done this i could have prepared more i could have done this i could have done that and then you start to wonder okay well what really could i have could i have done this could i have done that and even then it's really out of my control right now um so it's more about getting that inner critic to uh be more constructive in its criticism because I still have those thoughts and now that uh not not the 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 main thematic parts of it but I still do have an inner critic in my head but now is actually a little bit more constructive you know hey I let this interview get a li- way too out of hand you know it may start to get a little bit over but that's kind of where I um I where I start to intervene and say you know what I, I, I did the best I could I did um, you know sure I could have prepared a little bit more for certain things um, I'm gonna do that next time uh, and it's really taking that inner you know everybody's got an inner critic and um, I don't particularly hear a certain voice or anything like that or um, you know kind of like what Richard was saying you know how um, somebody some people embody um, their uh somebody that's traumatized them in the past is their inner critic I mm-hmm. did have that a little bit when I was younger with my father um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I would say in terms of that, you you really have to um, go out and act because the problem is we're in our heads so much that 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 place is like a, a wasteland of like crazy stuff going on all the time, you know. Um, so in order to really get past that, is to you know go out and do something, go out and go for a walk, you know. If you're if you're having like real tough times with your inner critic, going out and doing a physical activity is actually good, and that, that's what I was actually going to say about your uh, wife, Richard, is. Uh, um, you know, she. You know, she's trying to um, get her. She's trying to get um, her nervous energy out by doing something, doing this, doing that. Um, there are some great ways of of doing that. You know, and um, video games is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, obviously, in, in big doses can be pretty tough because then you start to procrastinate again, and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's just kind of uh, what I think about mm. it.
1: Awesome. Well. Thank you, Lucky. Um, it's been a great
0: it's... podcast.
3: We'll see you. Later. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, we've only covered half of the topic.
1: Uh, it's really interesting that you said all that as well, just because um, it, it just made me remember how I, I read an article one time saying that the body is really, re- really well equipped to dealing with anxiety um, through physical effort because you release a lot of endorphins and, you know, we, we talked about uh, serotonin last week as well. Dopamine. Do- dopamine? Yeah. Yes. Re- Release dopamine.
0: Um, all the drugs. <laughs> yeah, all the body <laughs> drugs. Body um, chemicals. By,
1: by moving and exerting because your body is trying to remove physical stress by releasing chemical into your body to make you feel good and that you can kind of trick your brain into feeling better by doing something. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that's tied a lot in therapy to being present and grounding yourself.
0: Yeah, and like uh, I think Lucky was talking about is like when you're thinking presently, focusing on your breathing, um, there's like other like, I I feel like stereotypical like exercises you go to is like pick 10 things in the room to focus on that are Mm -hmm. like here presently. Although I'm not sure if that's a stroke thing or not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've uh,
1: I've heard like the... The if you have like panic attacks, it's like list yeah, seven things you see, six things you can touch, like five things you can smell, four things you could taste, like a, someone's elbow, I guess. And then it I slowly brings
0: you back down. <laughs> well, and then and, and like, and those are the type of things that when we eventually get to talking to help you out, like what can you do in the moment. Uh, I usually think like I've had friends who've dealt with panic attacks and those are like overwhelming at times for people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the next part that we're going to be talking about also involves panic attack, uh, panic attacks at times as well, because that that's like almost where it gets to the tippy top of when you're just shut down completely. Um, and I had a point that I was going to go with and uh, I was completely gone with that. Oh, I, I got it. Um, and actually, with the with the with the drugs coming out of your system, uh-huh. right? Uh, all the drugs. Um, <laughs> I like to like kind of put myself back to why we do that, and I help. Sometimes that helps ground me. to Be like, why, why we, am I feeling this feeling? Where does it come from? Uh, well, if you th- uh, logical, I, I don't do no, research. Electrical I'm, impulses I'm in casual. your brain that cause. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But, like, and- why, why did your body initially do that?
1: Because body oh, oh, like drugs. Well, I mean, a, an example <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs>
0: before technology, before I mean, even the invention of the wheel. Why was your body feeling anxiety in the first place? Is keep yourself like we said attentive, keeping track of your family, and making sure that you're a, you're awake and and attentive for dangers,
1: survival instincts. Yeah, it's survival instincts. Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. And no. I think <laughs>
3: sabertooth tigers. Oh,
1: they, you know, they were sabertooth wolves. Wolves. <laughs> you got to say it like that, wolves. And I think
0: it's uh, I think for some people out there it might just always be important to be like, why are you feeling this? Well, cuz your body was trained thousands of years ago to feel this feeling for these reasons.
1: Yeah, and that's like a super interesting point that I've seen raised as well is that our bodies are equipped for times essentially up to 200 years ago but in the past 200 years humankind has evolved like technologically so rapidly that our bodies haven't physically kept up Mm. our brains haven't kept up we still have the brain and the body of like not too long ago but technology wise and socially like social dynamics we've evolved Way beyond like what our body is used to.
0: Yeah, and I think it's always important to know why, not just what, uh, why you're feeling those feelings, but where they came from, and okay. that's always important. And I think the pain attacks and all that will lead directly into, uh, depression. Yeah. Uh, Richard, can you tell us, uh, what depression is besides
3: you know? So we're gonna go into the next definition from Lexico. Uh, depression is a mental condition characterized by feelings of se- severe despondency and dejection. Whoa, lots of big syllable words. I'm anxiety, just listen to you. <laughs> uh, well, this is about depression. Uh, I'm not getting depressed. It's it Typically, funny. also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by a lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. Ooh, those are symptoms too. Yeah. Oh, This is really in-depth for that definition. Some some
1: people, um, I know I've always experienced um, some people considering people who are depressed as just shutting down. Like they give this blank statement, like shutting down, like we're all robots. And I I feel like that doesn't really give it enough justice because I feel like that's kind of a very rough way to bring depression across to someone because um, there are people who can function, but are also dealing with depression. So um, Lucky, if you can sort of give us some examples of maybe like areas where depression um, can affect your life more than others,
2: yeah, so um, it's actually good that we're talking about anxiety and depression, because a lot of times anxiety is paired with something um, in a lot of cases, like with social anxiety. it's a, a lot of times it's paired with addiction because you drink to uh, to get over your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then depression is also um, a really big, uh, big factor, um, you know, as well. And depression has a lot of different effects in your life, you know, and. Um, this, this goes back to what we were talking about before with, um, anxiety, right? Anxiety by itself is not too bad. Um, it's actually very necessary. Depression by itself is not too bad. It's actually very necessary. It teaches, it uh, teaches us empathy. Um, maybe when we're going, uh, when you go to a funeral, you're mourning somebody, right? And you have other people there to help you get through that. And that, that creates empathy. And it, it creates, uh, since we're very, um, we're very social, uh, we're, human beings are very social. That helps us, right? Um, a lot of the same uh, things uh, that depression affects your life in a lot of the same way that uh, anxiety can in terms of procrastination. You know, you're depressed about certain things. Um, you don't feel like you're good enough. Um, thoughts of death are also a big part of it, although it's not always just suicidal thoughts uh, like you were talking about, Michael. That's actually um, when you're thinking about death, that's actually a little bit more of depression than, than anxiety, although, it, it, you know, there are um, you do have the anxiety about death. Um, but uh, yeah it can it can affect your your life in, in a lot of those ways and um, it also you know one thing that's really common in depression is the self-fulfilling prophecy right so you think oh yeah I'm depressed so I'll never be able to do this and so it becomes true because you never act towards that because you're you're so depressed you you, you have a uh, also that's another big thing is a uh, low self-esteem and especially with uh, with depression it it can um It can seem like somebody is just moody or, you know, oh, you know, you're just down in the dumps, all that stuff, or a real common one, you know, you just got the blues, all that kind of stuff. Um, As with anxiety, it really depends on how long it lasts, and, uh, you know, I I think we're going to get into this at at some point anyway, but uh, one of the things that I I brought up in in the notes was, uh, you know... um, there's like an actual test and it's called the PHQ, um, you know, uh, uh, patient health questionnaire. And if you ever go into a a therapy office, you know, uh, your therapist will give you this and it'll ask you, um, it'll ask you like certain questions, um, you know, like, have you had any thoughts of suicidal thoughts in the last and you click, uh, you know, either are you a circle either zero, not at all. um, uh, Seven, you know, the last several days more than half the days, or you know, uh, you know, pretty much every day. So it's really all about the severity in a lot of these cases and how how often it, it can do that. But um, same, also same thing with fatigue. Um, a lot of depressed people because it, it's using your your energy to really think of these depressive th- uh, thoughts as well. So yeah, it can affect your life in in a lot of ways.
1: Interesting. So um, with the the PHQ, you the days that it mentioned cuz you said like how often you would think about you know um think like death itself or maybe days that you're anxious and stuff like that is that within a given week i'm assuming cuz obviously like people would be having those thoughts multiple periods of time throughout a lifetime mm. but they're trying to get a grasp on how frequently something has happened in recent times i'm assuming
2: yeah so it's every two weeks and it um you know just to bring it back to anxiety um there's also one called the um the gad7 um basically for the general anxiety um diagnosis but basically it's it's seven questions and it's within the last two weeks and so um whenever you go into a therapy appointment it'll they'll ask you these things and so basically when you have a it's always been at least from my experience it's always been you get uh, a number from zero to three and then you add all those numbers up and then the the uh the therapist kind of has an idea of where you are for uh, where you've been for that you know those last two weeks because uh um when i was meeting my therapist i was meeting him every week and so um that's just to kind of give them a rough idea and kind of where to start um i've heard some therapists you know i kind of asked one of my therapists kind of how they you know what do they they do based off of those numbers and he kind of told me you know it depends when, when I see a high number, I know to kind of go in there a little bit softer, you know, kind of see how, how they're doing. Um, when it's pretty low, I just, you know, just kind of want to uh, make sure that everything's okay because um, sometimes when somebody comes into the office, they might be feeling good, mm-hmm. but they don't really remember the, re- the rest of the days, right, because they're, um, they're so happy right now. They don't want to think about the rest of the depressed days. Um, so it's just a general way to kind of get, get a reading on you before they, um, before they actually start the real therapy session.
1: Interesting uh i know it's a little odd to ask but um is there kind of like a goal that you had been given like for like did the therapist ever say like hey like if you manage to reach this sort of metric of like yeah i'm feeling this anxious this frequently that's like hey you're actually doing well like that's normal that's good well like i don't want to say normal as in it's not normal but either way you get what i'm saying right uh, like, I don't want to say... You're sit. to a
0: point where you can, yeah. you can handle it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like normally, yeah. normal is the wrong Stop way. Stop saying normal, normal so many times, Corey. <laughs> Stop it.
1: You're making <laughs> me anxious. No, I'm anxious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's actually a great... Uh, you bring up a great point, Corey, is that um, it, personal milestones are actually a really big key part in recovery. Um, you know, I mean, same thing with addiction, right? Like, if, if you go up after a week, You're doing good. You're doing good, dude. You know, even though you like last week, you may have almost overdosed and died and all that kind of stuff. It's all about going forward and giving you those those kind of goals. And so uh, mostly with with my with my depression, when I was seeing a a therapist, um, it was mostly uh, well, since I had social anxiety, actually fed into the depression because after I would judge myself, anxiety would lead to the depression afterwards because then i would just um i'd be so depressed from all this stuff and i think one thing that we have to remember is a lot of these things link into each other the physical mm-hmm. health the mental health um i've had people on my channel that have chronic illnesses and that can lead to mental uh problem mental uh, mental illness as well and um but I, I think that's that's a great point that you bring up because you know if you have a chronic illness. You're never going to be as physically physically healthy as maybe somebody that doesn't, right? So you have to judge it based off of your own um, your own experience and all that kind of stuff. And so same thing with with mental illness, right? You're you may never be as as fully happy as somebody that's never had it, but as long as you are um, you're happier than you were when you first had depression. I always tell people like uh, sometimes you have to experience rock bottom to never go there again to know where it was, right? So once you have that frame of reference, it's You know where you don't want to be you know, you know that you don't want to you know You don't want to uh, let your depression get a um, get you to the point where you have to call in sick for work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as you know that you aren't there and as long as you know where that place is you kind of know where to kind of uh, It kind of creates a blueprint from where you want to go forward. So um, yeah, that's a a good point about personal milestones
3: awesome Yeah, so uh, I have a quick question also. So my wife has used the expression, uh, spiral because she also, she has both. I don't, I don't know if she's ever been diagnosed with it. Cause that's not something that we've talked about. But, um, in, in her mind, she's definitely, I can definitely see that she's got anxiety and she definitely has symptoms of depression as well. And she uses the phrase uh, spiraling a lot. Can you kind of describe, other than from my personal experience, and it tends to be more self-deprecation and it's compounding on, on itself into that spiral, as it were, is that a common reference that is associated with depression as well?
2: Um, in my in my case, yes. Um, and I think of it more in terms of uh, of a, a spiraling staircase, but you're going the wrong way. You end up going down instead of up. Um, so you're but you, you are right though, right? That there are there's some compounding nature to that. Um the the thing is is the worse your um the worse you let your depression get, the harder it is to dig yourself out of that hole. And so, you know, that's why depression does get so bad to the point where, you know, obviously there uh, are people that take their lives at some point. Um and so as long as you can keep your depression into um in a manageable state, right, you can kinda get yourself out, right? Um but, yeah, I, th- I mean, I've heard spiraling down. Um, it, it's actually more common in anxiety um, because that, we call it the anxiety spiral, what I was just telling you about with the anxiety before, uh, during, and after. That's kind of the spiral that it usually has. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you could probably use that with any mental illness, with, with uh, addiction. You can, you know, that, that's a – it's definitely a good way to um, create an image in your head of, what people go through when they're going through mental illness. Because if you're talking to somebody that's never dealt with mental illness, it's always good to paint a picture for them so that they know, um, you know, no, I'm not just uh, moody today. I'm really having a problem and this is where I am. And, you know, I've spiraled down this far just so that they know that they're not uh, just so that you can let somebody know that, you know, I'm not just sad today. So, yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard that uh, expression before. So
0: uh,
1: you mentioned, I believe you said like climbing out of, depression and stuff like that um it it's a very interesting analogy um especially cuz depression is typically linked to like inactivity and um kind of like getting stuck in the same place whether it be physically and or mentally um so like what are some of the things that have helped you personally with depression obviously other than just seeing cuz seeing a therapist i believe would be helpful for Nigh on everyone, um, but other than that, uh, what has been something that was personally helpful?
2: Um, so I, when I first was diagnosed with a depression, I did I was on medication. I was on something called Zoloft, which is an SSRI, um, serotonin inhibitor, um, and uh, that that definitely helped. Um, but eventually, I did I did eventually get off that um, through my uh, my my psychiatrist, who was great. He um, he always had the intention of getting me off mm-hmm. of them. Um, But he didn't want to get me off of them too soon. I I think I was on them for about two to three years, I believe. And then I got off. Um, But basically what those do, they kind of just help you regulate your mood. They never let you go to full extremes. Um, The problem with that for me was I'm a poet and I like to do music and all that stuff. So whenever you go to an extreme for, for art, it kind of helps you with that stuff. That's where we get things like Starry Night by Van Gogh and all that kind of stuff. Um, some ways that I have really helped me is using uh, using my depression um, in a positive way and that's one of the things right I'm a poet um, I like to write poetry and sometimes uh, some of the best poetry comes from when you're in like a deep depressive funk and you really need to get out of it um, another one is um, uh, th- this it sounds a lot easier than than it is but um, doing things anyway despite the depression and it's almost like, a personal, like a a little personal victory because you've gone out and you went to the gym. You said you were going to do it. You did it even though at the whole time at the gym you were miserable. You know, you were just thinking about this. I mean, I remember my my grandmother passed away in November and I went to the gym and I just remember, like, I was just thinking to myself, don't cry in front of these people. Do not cry in front of these people. And all the anxiety started coming up. Depression started coming up. Um, So I, you know, even though I went in there, um, you know, I I did uh, maybe about you know, three quarters of the exercises and then I just said, you know, I, I've had enough, I, I got to go home. Um, I'm I'm, uh, I'm dealing with a lot right now, um, but I still went, I still made it to the gym, I still did my thing um, and I was able to overcome it. And I think that's a really big thing. I, 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 I usually frame it like this, right? When you, um, like the scientific method, right? You have to learn through empirical data. Like, you know, you have to see it work, see it work, see it work, see it work. Well, I've basically laid out a plan for myself in terms of empirical data, like, You know, hey, I can go to the gym despite depression. Look at this day, this day, this day, this day, this day, and it starts piling up, so that I build confidence. And I think that's also uh, a big thing. Is I don't rely on confidence anymore. I don't rely on motivation anymore. I rely on what I need to do, what I what I know I want to do. And this is kind of uh, this kind of goes back to you know when me and Michael were were doing anime casuals. I went through a depressive funk for like maybe six months, and then we took a break. And then I wanted to come back to it, and you know Michael was just like. You know, are we really coming back to it? Is this really what you want to do? And I've kind of forced myself, even on the weeks that I didn't want to do it, just to just to go into it. And it's some of the most fulfilling things because I know that I had an extra hurdle to go through, mm-hmm. but that extra hurdle ended up giving making the, the the victory much more satisfying. And so I think just recognizing your own victories in, in a lot of these senses is, uh, is a really good one.
1: Nice. Would you say it's kind of like um, to put it in really simple terms for people, it's like having some sort of physical outlet is really helpful and it, it kind of sounds like to really dumb it down it's kind of like at the start of your day making your bed because at that point you've already done something at the very beginning of your day so continuing to do things is easier from that point on
2: yeah i mean i think that's definitely a good thing and even um like usually what I like to do is set weekly goals cuz sometimes mm-hmm. my days get packed um you know every now and then I just have a really busy day and so what I usually like to do is do weekly weekly uh, uh goals so I like to go to the gym four times a week that gives me three days like you know if I'm too busy this day I can go the next day you know that kind of stuff um you know in in, ter- in terms of that you know I I do one video a week for you know i I do a lot of different projects and stuff so i set my video goals i do all that kind of stuff maybe i pull back um on on one project to kind of get another one in all that kind of stuff i i I, and i do i do like weekly uh daily goals as well um it depends on what kind of person you are i think that's also Mm -hmm. another thing is finding out what works for you right because what works for me is probably not going to work for the next person and it's probably not going to work for the next person uh depression uh, mental illness is very interesting in that way that it doesn't always affect us the same way. And uh, not all treatments are the best. Like with CBT, right? I, some people that works really well for. Some people really do need um, medication to get over something uh, that's really severe. So, yeah, it's, it's really all about finding out what really works for you and um, figuring out what, what makes you the most successful, uh, the most successful you.
0: And as always, if it doesn't work for you, seek medical help. I feel like that's on literally every single article you see about any mental health is like, hey, here's ten tips and tricks that you can do. If it doesn't work, go get mental <laughs> go get go get professional health. Cause they are the experts in the field and they will help you as they deem fit. And I've always heard that it is okay to seek multiple different professionals to find the one that works for you. Don't just be stuck with one, and be like, oh well, I don't like this person. It's like okay. Remember, it's your choice. You get to go find the medical professional that works for you. Go find the the mental doctor that is fitting your own personality and your own schedule. Because in the end, that's going to work best for you.
3: To kind of sideline a little yeah. bit, it's, it's part of the thing that I've been happy with how society as a whole is pro- progressing. Because the stigma that was even five years ago about mental health is slowly progressing into a positive light where... Therapy and um psychiatry and a lot of these other um self-care yeah even
1: the whole aspect of self-care and like meditation used to be considered like a religious thing to a lot of people where yeah like right now like and that was actually something else i wanted to ask is like what are your opinions on meditation or do you meditate like because i've heard a lot of like how helpful that can be to to mention what you said earlier to have a sense of mindfulness and presentness
0: Oh, I was also going to throw out, uh, remember, uh, social media can give a lot of anxiety, so if you feel a lot of anxiety from being on social media, take, take a, break. a break.
1: But Follow us first, and then take a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that's always good. I mean, I think, um, yes, to the social media, yes, I mean, that, that goes back to the... Um, the comparing yourself that's a big part of of social media is you're comparing yourself to people that may or may not be photoshopping or may or may be getting themselves in the best light in the best part of the day all that kind of stuff um to your question Corey, i do meditate um it's i do more active meditation there there are people that you know that we they track their breath all that kind of stuff um there's a great guy named will uh wim Hof who has broken multiple world records in terms of just, I think he's broken like 27 world records. He's climbed Mount Everest like three or four times at this point um, in shorts. And that's, that's the guy who um, did one the, of the
3: freezing stuff, right? Yeah, he's the yes, Iceman. Exactly. Iceman. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. And uh, basically, one of the things I took from him, now I don't do an extreme version of this, but basically, what I do is um, instead of focusing on the in breath, I, when I, Breathe out. I actually hold that out breath for I've gotten it up to about a minute But basically so you have empty lungs and you let that happen and the thing is um, If anybody listening to this has ever like fired a gun or fired at a bow and arrow You usually shoot on the out breath because that's when you're when you hold your breath You'll actually feel that your your body's tensing up. It's starting to fidget and stuff Mm -hmm. on the out breath Is actually when you're the most relaxed and so um, usually but you know, you don't have to do that you can always just Breathe in and then breathe out and then count up to about ten because it gives you something to do I really don't like meditation where I have nothing to do. It's really boring to me. Um, Another way you can uh, You can meditate um, which has worked well for me is uh, to listen to binaural beats Um, Basically what happens is Mm. if uh, with headphones, of course, that's really the best way you want to do it Um, Basically what happens is your your ears pick up different frequencies um, when you're listening to this so, you know, if you're listening to something and your right ear picks it up at 215 uh, Hertz and your left ear picks up at 205 Hertz, the difference in that is 10 Hertz and that's a binaural beat. And for some reason your brain actually focuses in on it. And so it's really good for people with trauma so that they, um, it's kind of, a, it, it makes a soothing effect because your brain automatically just focuses in on it. Um, more of like a reflexive thing and they have used it in therapy before. Um, I actually got it from a therapist uh, assistant that I had on. Um, that was kind of where I got that idea from. But um, I do like meditation. I also re- understand that there are going to be some people that are that need some more active type of thing. So just going for a walk and um, focusing on your breathing there is actually a good way. Um, Chuck, I read a book by Chuck Norris, and he hates meditating. Actually, <laughs> he's, he's not a big meditator. So he he loves going on walks, and that's how he gets his meditation out. He he tries to clear his mind on the walk, and since he has something to kind of do it it helps them out a lot and
1: there, there are probably no right or wrong ways to meditate either meditation i feel like is just the act of being in the moment so like you said like one way may not work for you but another way might that's true um, i'm a big
0: advocate for screaming meditation <laughs> oh
1: god have you house. seen that's an action like i've seen people do that and <laughs> it's hilarious like they'll be like pick this one point in your life where you felt uncomfortable and yell out like the name of the person that made you feel uncomfortable, and obviously that person's not there, or I would hope it's not, because it would be very awkward to be like call them on the phone and scream at it. Like I'm sitting in a room, Michael's there with me, Richard's there with me, and we're like podcast anxiety, screaming out. Michael doing his intro. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> every <laughs> time, every time <laughs> But um, I. It's really it's really interesting to see that there are so many positive ways that people can take control. And uh, also regarding the Wim Hof thing that you mentioned, um, very important that no one tries that while driving because you can blackout. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it
2: is one of those things. I, I'm a very extreme person. So, um, it were, you know, it, I, I like extreme methods. Like, I, you know, I've told Michael this, I eat one meal a day. Oh. Um, and you know, I, Sometimes then I cheat on Friday that. and then I, yeah. And then I, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, on Saturday and Sunday, I usually have a uh, I usually have a, I do two days of fasting afterwards. Wow. And so that has helped me because I figured out myself that I really like to feel full. And for some reason, I really even if it's just once a day, I'm like, wow, this feels really good. I, I don't I'm not one of those people that just snacks all day, um, you know, and uh, so I, that, I had to figure that out for myself. That doesn't work for everybody. Some people may even have health conditions that that would not be good for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you have a really high metabolism, then you're going to have to keep eating throughout the day. And so um, but Sounds yeah, it's all about diabetes, finding out what it? works for you. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. yeah um, so are there any uh because we're getting to the end of our podcast is there any good tips or tricks uh for getting out of a harmful state a harmful mental state example like panic attacks which are associated a lot with anxiety
2: um i i would say in in terms of that it's kind of like what we talked about before staying present um finding something close to you but also one of the things that happens is um realizing that you can't control your thoughts is actually kind of a freeing aspect of that i've had panic attacks before and what happens is you kind of want to feel better you're like stop thinking this stop thinking this Well, when you put something in a, it, it's kind of like um when you when you hold some sand in your hand right if you squeeze it very tightly it'll squeeze through the cracks and they'll still fall down right mm-hmm. and so um you re- realizing that you're it's an out of c- control moment is actually a way of stepping out and realizing that you're uh you're you know you're not in control of your thoughts right now and being able to really um wait out the storm to a large extent i usually equate it to uh uh lennox lewis versus mike tyson um lennox lewis you know great boxer um he ended up knocking out mike tyson but what happened was um mike tyson just came out and just started swinging after him just trying to knock him out typical mike tyson style and then lennox lewis every single time instead of trying to get away anything like that he would literally just Wrap wrap up Mike Tyson's arms and just wait him out. You know he, he did the most boring things for the first like two or three rounds, and then Mike eventually got tired. It's kind of the same thing with your thoughts. Your thoughts can only do so much um, before they before it runs out of energy. And so um, you know, just kind of recognizing, hey, I'm going through a panic attack right now. I need to figure out, um, you know, am I in a good, am I in an okay place for this? You know, obviously if you're driving, pull over. You know, it's all about that kind of situational awareness as well. Um, but yeah, just, um, being, being mindful of, of your situation is a very good way of getting out of any situation, right? If you're depressed, you know, re- saying, Hey, I I'm depressed right now, or I have, I I'm feeling depressed right now, uh, is a really good way. Also not personalizing yourself with your, uh, mental illness is a good way. I, I try, I, so I, I did a slip up right there. I said, I'm depressed right now. Instead, I usually like to say, I'm feeling depressed right now, because if you put yourself with your mental illness, it starts to become a part of you. Um, and so when when you when you're talking about yourself, it starts to just kind of come out naturally because that's part of your um, that's part of your identity now. And so I try and distance myself from it. I'm somebody who has depression, anxiety, you know, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. So I'd say you know that's probably the biggest thing is just if you are going down that hole, is to kind of catch yourself um you know before you do that and even if you are going through that really difficult thing i believe me i've been through panic attacks before um it's not fun but just realizing that you're going through one is very empowering and it can really help you um kind of navigate that that experience
1: um so one last thing for me uh lucky i wanted to ask you um if someone themselves doesn't have to deal with anxiety or depression but they do know someone that is currently dealing with anxiety or depression uh did you have anything through your experiences that you wish someone would say or do to help you what is something that someone who understands someone else is going through a
2: situation can do to help that's really important (laughs) support system um, yay yeah, well, I, I think the the number one thing is to still hold people accountable for what they're for their actions, right? If somebody gets angry at you and they throw a tantrum, all that kind of stuff, and afterwards they say they're depressed, you can still you can still be like, oh, you know, that sucks, but next time, you know, we can't let this happen next time. You know, you really hurt me, and and still being honest about the way they affect you, because, um, the the thing that I've noticed a lot is, you know, when I say I'm depressed or you know I say something like that, um, it, it does tend to get people to back up a little bit like, hey, where can I go with this guy? You know, obviously you have to gauge people before you go into social interactions, but um, still holding people accountable for their actions. Like I remember my 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 therapist always made sure he said, I don't care how depressed you are. You do not call out sick for work if you're depressed Um, unless something major happened, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's just depression, please go to work because you're not going to feel any better in bed. Um, And so still holding people accountable is very, very key in a lot of this um but with that being said um also realizing that they're not going to uh um they're not always going to be able to do the same things that you're that you're doing you know in every single sense um is is also good um also just hearing people um sometimes people like to uh one-up each other so you know let's say Corey comes up to me and he says you know hey my my uh, one of my friends was in a really bad car accident, and then I say, "Hey, dude, that's crazy." But my mom was in this car accident; almost killed her. It, you know, what? once you start <laughs> trying to one up people, yeah, yeah. Once you start one upping people in a lot of these <laughs> senses or inserting your own narrative in these people's stories, it becomes—it almost becomes about you, uh-huh. and then they don't feel like they can really um open up. So really, just listening and being engaged. So if Corey came up to me with that same thing, hey, my friend, uh. My friend got in a really bad car accident man I don't know what to do is he okay how you know how um, how's he doing now and then you know you can start engaging in that a thing but uh, you know like I said some people like to kind of insert themselves into conversations so um, you know being really attentive You know, I talked to my pastor about this I said you know how do you know when to kind of send somebody off to you know better help and all that kind of stuff he said well I, I I know the line between that but A lot of times these people just haven't been heard they haven't nobody's really listened to what their story is they haven't heard the totality of it you know a lot of times people will will chime in prematurely and start talking about something else Um, sometimes these people just need to be heard and all of a sudden it's just like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders so I would say one is to still hold people accountable for their actions you know they're still accountable for that and that teaches them that they are in control of their own their own actions and B I would just say um, you know just make sure that uh, just make sure that you listen to them in, in their totality I know sometimes it sounds a little erratic what they are saying all that kind of stuff um, but just just make sure that you're you're really actively listening with that
3: funnily enough uh, I have a last personal thing actually to attach to that um, my wife is a big purveyor of that she likes being heard but what she doesn't like is when you counter with oh I'm so sorry Because in reality, she's not looking for pity. She's not looking for that. All she wants is to be heard. Yeah. Like that's a really, really active point that you made, Lucky. But it doesn't always help to be sympathetic because that's not generally what someone's looking for. They're just looking for the open ear to be able to get it off of their chest.
0: Yeah.
1: And maybe for another podcast, we can go into active listening. Because it seems like active listening is very empowering for someone with these issues yet another Definitely.
0: podcast where our meetings are the podcast <laughs> yes also uh, lucky so did your mom crash into Corey's friend because that's what it sounds like to me
2: oh, <laughs> I, I will neither confirm it deny that <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the person allegedly, in, yeah, I allegedly. Say, I'd be the person allegedly. interjecting,
0: interjecting <laughs> going this seems a little coincidental <laughs> about the car crashes
2: <laughs> <laughs> they figured me out I knew I shouldn't have done this podcast <laughs>
0: um, uh, any last words you guys want to give
3: I think it's a good time for Lucky's plugs. Yeah, Lucky's plugs.
0: It's uh, no, no, no. That was pre podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucky, where can the internet uh, find you?
2: Yeah, so I have um, I have an Instagram at Mental Health Casual. If you guys want to check that out, I am also on a channel with uh, with Michael called Anime Casuals. I do my own YouTube channel uh, called Mental Health Casual. And I'm just started a new podcast with our friend, Paul called casual bros. Um, I'll give these guys the link tree for that. You guys can check out all of the casual brands and all the casual broadcasts. Uh, um, the casual but, uh, empire, yeah.
0: excuse me, casual empire. <laughs> yes. yes <sorry laughs> about that. Um,
2: but yeah, that, that that's right. That's roughly where, um, where you can find me and all that kind of stuff with my mental health casual page. I usually just talk about mental health and Anime Casuals, I kind of talk about, yeah, anime. And so, uh, but in a casual lens, that's basically what most of us are all about. So
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's been lovely as always to talk to you about mental health. Thank you, Lucky.
3: Thank Um, you so much.
0: Yeah. And I think this is one of our, uh, I love having people come on, on the show because usually we get a lot of discussion between us and them and it's a very fluid conversation. So thanks for coming on. and We really do want to have you come back and talk about other things. Uh, Probably that car crash. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) On the record next time. Yeah, on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should figure out more about that story.
1: That's a good title for a car crash on the record. Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) Car crash podcast. (laughs) Um, And as always, everybody, thank you for listening because without you, we would just be... Four or three dudes just talking in a room. Some guys. Yeah, and yes,
3: which we still, uh,
0: yeah, just we're just w- some with some listeners. guys podcast. Co-
3: what What's your normal like rate?
1: If what, you guys can rate, yeah. review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're on, uh, for both us and Lucky's podcast, that helps immensely. Um, it helps with visibility, whatever platform you're using, and we enjoy seeing numbers go up.
0: That's true, and like I say, uh, now every week, put it on while your friends in the car. Don't let them leave until they're done with the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And as always, everybody, like we say at the end of every podcast, stay mentally healthy.